Straight to you from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Welcome to Permit to Think. Meaningful stories and conversations from the fringe of, your, of societal norms. I am your host, Mike Dawes. As a professional fisherman and host, I've spent the last 25 years traveling the far reaches of the world. In the beginning, the goal was untouched adventures and wild fish. But I've come to realize the people I have met along the way and their stories have played a pivotal role in seeking what I'm truly after, a quiet mind and time to think. Although it doesn't really seem to be happening that often these days. This ride is too short, so I'm gonna start exploring the narratives of the people that have brought me here. I have been told that audio has no rules, so it seems like a good platform for someone who grew up breaking the mall. So let's go. Our guest today is Tim Saskabrun. <laughs> Tim is originally from Cold Spring Harbor, Long Island. Tim attended Syracuse University in upstate New York in 1994. And from there, he went back to Long Island where he resided in Montauk and started working in the offshore fishing business and eventually started guiding fly anglers. From there, Tim started working for the Orvis Company in Long Island and eventually in New York City. His work in New York springboarded him to Jackson, Wyoming in 2000, and he has remained in the area since. Tim grew up in a family with a storied fly fishing and hunting history, as his grandmother was one of the founding members of the Women's Fly Fishers Club in New York in the 1930s, took steamships across the pond to Norway in the 20s to fish for Atlantic salmon, which is, we're going to hear more about that. Uh, and had plenty of fly fishing adventures in, Cuba's, in, in Cuba in the 50s, etc. I first met Tim on an overnight trip on the South Fork around the time we both moved to the area, actually where he continues to work today. We eventually took our first international trip together in 2007 when Tim asked me to join him in Panama. Since then, it has been off to the races. When I sat down to write this introduction, I was taken aback by the places we have fished together. It's not that we have fished the places, it's that we have done it all together. We have seen each other at our lowest points and have also been extremely fortunate enough to experience things we don't need to talk about or feel the need to. We were there. Some things are better left alone in this day and age. We have traveled to Panama, Guyana, Canada, Northwest Territories, Belize, Mexico a dozen times, Brazil three times, the Seychelles four times, Mauritius, St. Brandon's four times, Myanmar, Australia, Tanzania, Dubai, and so on. Tim currently lives in Victor, Idaho, with his wonderful wife, Julie. Without further ado, please welcome Saskabrun, Flats Master T, Timmy, to Timmy Two Times, and hopefully soon, Cameron. What's up, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me over here. Appreciate yeah. it. It's been a while. Don't get to see you as much now, now that you're over on this side. I know. Uh, 
it's uh it's a treat and um it's been a little while it's good to see you and uh thanks for stopping by i appreciate it i appreciate the time yeah absolutely absolutely so we're we're kind of in a unique situation not not that it, we'll, we'll get on with the actual interview but um let's give a little little flavor on what's actually going on currently because yeah these uh these test results we've got a uh Got to show up with a negative COVID test, obviously, to get out of this country and get into Cameroon in the next 72 hours. And uh, we're currently waiting on the results of the tests. We're hoping for a negative, but uh, this valley's pretty rampant with the sickness, so we'll see what happens. So we'll wait for the ding on the phone any minute now, I guess. Yeah, and let's give a little bit of history. Obviously, um, we could have easily written in Mixie into that intro as well. Absolutely, uh, and we'll we'll get him on here. Um, and uh, you know, the lab Mike Ward could have could have made the should have <laughs> should have. I don't think there's it. enough permit in West Africa, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know how he is. But let's let's give a little uh, let's get a little flavor on this trip. So right now we're attempting to go to Cameroon. We initially scheduled this trip in the winter of 2019 after we had fished with African yep, waters. Absolutely. Yep. And so we've moved it several times. It was your 50th birthday trip. Um, and yeah, we might have to turn it into 55 <laughs> soon, you know, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it was always a, always a dream to do it. And when things started to open up over there and obviously fishing for giant Nile perch and small stream rivers was going to be, uh, it's going to be phenomenal. Just seemed like a perfect thing to do. And, uh, man, we're right there. We're so close, but man, the walls, yeah, <laughs> no, these and travel I think, walls won't. Well, and I think it's fall. also, I think it's very important for us to Trying to do it right. I mean, you you just had the virus. Yeah. You have um, all three microbots in you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as do I. Um, so you're actually, you should be about as clear. I mean, you can't get any safer than that, right? No, I've done everything, uh, everything we're supposed to do to do, you know, to beat this thing. And uh, to be got to- the booster three weeks ago and got sick two weeks ago yeah so, I mean, and to be able to travel you i mean right you're it's, yeah i've got the clearance to travel because of the quarantine and the negative results now but you got to keep testing and you can certainly test positive i guess up to a month but you know that's what's going to be a little bit of a challenge if we got to land in cameroon and take a test i've got to sort of show them a whole bunch of papers that show that I might test positive, And I'm sure that's going to be extremely easy to convey in French to the Cameroonian <laughs> customs officials. So, you know, it's just another, it's another well, one of these uh, wonderful episodes. Well, um, what I, and I think that's why we're probably, we're definitely not going to release this until we get back. Cause I think we're going to grab a couple of sound bites on the road. Um, and probably incorporate some of those into the show. But again, Good. hopefully that'll be me speaking French in the Cameroon <laughs> airport, uh, waving my papers around saying I'm exempt from testing. Well, we, we, yeah. So, so you've got, 
you've got all three shots and then you just recovered week two weeks ago from the virus so you're bulletproof I, yeah, I hope so yeah so then we we switch over to what's going on in my household my kids have been out of school because even if what they had was just a cold uh they would have been turned around anyway mm-hmm. so they were held out of school so they were out five days including the weekend and then they, I tested the entire family throughout the five days, actually used up all of our at-home kits, testing kits, and those have remained negative. So hopefully I'm in the clear, and when we do get the ding on the phone, we are good to go. Yeah, that's the way it's looking. But like you and I talked about this morning, what we're also waiting on is confirmation that if you get to Africa, if you get to Cameroon, and then you have to fill out the medical form, which most countries have, minus Mexico, right? They do ask you, have you been exposed or have you had COVID? Right. In which case, then... You then ha- in that case... <laughs> Honesty might not necessarily be the best policy, but uh, well, I think we're going to stick with um, telling them everything that they need to know as truthful as possible. Yeah, and, and then if you, that explodes, then we back. Then I'm going to backtrack and start uh, figuring out a, a better way to to to, <laughs> to to get to get there. Well, but also, right? Just I mean, I think it's good for people to hear that th- these are the steps you need to go through in this day and age. Yeah. So, you also got a negative PCR test yesterday. Correct? Yeah, yeah. And then you also have a doctor's note. Yeah, which, you know, I don't know how far that's going to take it, but it's there. <laughs> I mean, it's first world problems in a third world country. Yeah, I mean, no. And we, we are, um, all of our travel has been wildly fortunate. Right? Yeah, I mean, we absolutely. are, we're, we're extremely grateful for. I mean, of all the things, I mean, the places we've traveled in the past, there's so much red tape to get through um, that, you know, with the visas and the whole nine yards. And do you get it there? Do you get it ahead of time? And then to throw, I mean, everything we've had to do for Cameroon and then have to throw these multiple tests in is just, uh, it's exhausting. It'll be exhausting uh, to get through it. But, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel big time, especially for this trip. So Well, and I think it's also a testament to you know, traveling. If you want to travel now, you need to go an extra, you know, to an extra length to ethically travel to, you know, make sure you're good with it. Make sure you've done everything in your power to get it done. Uh, You might not agree with it, Mm. but it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's either that or getting stuck somewhere that you'd rather not be stuck. Yeah, and being in the bush in Cameroon, the least of our problems is COVID. I mean, there's about 17 other things that can take you out immediately. Well, it's interesting you say that because I had a a really uh, interesting question from Fagan the other day, and he was was saying, are you at all concerned about the possibility of bringing the virus there? 
And I was like, what, what do you mean? And he's like, well, that's part of the reason why I haven't, you know, I've been hesitant on doing some stuff in, in Peru. And then you weigh that against um, people having no job or not. Right. I mean, right? I mean, the people we're going to see solely rely, you know, on on people coming there to fish. Yeah. Well, there's that. Then the African World Cup finals are being held in Cameroon the same week that we're going to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully we'll just blend in. Yeah. Uh, well, in but fact, no, we don't. We don't. Obviously, you don't want to. You want a clean bill of health to go. Um, and yeah, certainly you don't want to bring anything bad there. Uh, yeah. So that's why I think we have to go through all this testing, and and I think we get tested when we land on the ground there too. So we'll do everything we can, and uh, that's all we can do. Yeah, and obviously all the. Uh, I mean, my shoulder's getting sore from the <laughs> all the shots and the yellow fever and the Hep A, Hep C. I mean, you name it. Did so. you Did you have to do tetanus too? And yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They're all on the shot card. And yeah. I think that's. I think some of those are five or ten year shots anyway. So we've done them in the past for Brazil and Burma and all these other places. Do you have more been. than yellow fever on your shot card? Yeah, yeah. That's all I have. Oh, yeah. It's like a, it's like a rap sheet. Yeah, it <laughs> unfolds. It's like an accordion. Well, I have one right there, but I, all I have is yellow fever. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to get the uh, doc to pencil it on there. <laughs> well, I guess what, um, you know, you, you got to do, I mean, it, it probably shows um, commitment. And then also it's probably the fact that we work in the industry and mm-hmm. that, still have to be supportive. I mean, it's a struggle for destination travel right now. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's a hassle to do the right thing, but you don't have any other option. Absolutely. And that's fine. And if you are sick, you probably shouldn't go. Yeah. And I know that if I was sick, uh, and I was trying to get away with getting over there just to go fishing and I got stuck there, I don't think if I knocked on the door of the embassy, they'd be all that impressed with my story. So, I think you'd be stuck over there until you started testing negative. So, well, you got you got bounced out of the testing center pretty quick. But you were telling me that someone walked in before you. Yeah, yeah, and was saying um, I need to get a test right now because I got to travel in 24 hours, and I'll probably test positive. But I need to keep taking these tests to t- to test negative so I can travel. And she kind of just pointed at the door and said, "Out of here! <laughs> you know, that's not. We're not here to to." see how many times we can test you until you get a, a negative so that you can fly. But did you, did you get the, did you think that, that he was in a position where he had recovered and was just trying to show? Yeah, I think so. And I you. think that the, so he wasn't walking in there sick saying like, I don't care about I'm traveling sick. I, I think it was a little bit of both. <laughs> I think he kind of was, like, look, I'm positive, but I need to get a negative test, so I need to keep testing until it comes up negative. And uh, I don't think they were having any of it, but, you know, I was thinking about that a week ago as well. You know, how do I, you know, I've got to make sure I can get positive, but if I don't feel well, I can't go, you know. If I, don't, if I still got symptoms, it's no good. Well, so, and we still don't know. So it's... Yeah. um. Well, I got this ding coming in on my phone. Should we check and see what uh, you, from what the verdict is? Let me see what I got here. Oh boy, mm-hmm. that's quick. The test was at one one thirty. 
Yeah, I got to punch in some. It's 236. I'm going to punch in some info here. Negative. Whoa. In green. Oh, hold on. Uh, zero three. Good. That's one more hurdle. Negative. A double negative. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow, that's that is. Well, that gets us to the Cameroon Airport. Doesn't get us out of it though. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. See how it goes. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. I can't believe it came through that quick. So that well, they must have known. They must have sent something. What um, what are your expectations about if we do? Let's you know. I, I think people understand where we are right now. Um, that is, I am really excited that that's a negative result for both of us. Very much so. Yeah, you bet. Um, and that's two in a row for you. So you've obviously recovered, and that's um, yeah. So we're trending the right direction. Uh, plenty of more hurdles, but we'll probably do that on the rebound, or maybe. When we do a little, if we get there, a campfire uh, soundbite. Yeah, absolutely. But real quick, what are your, we haven't even gotten to talk about this. What are your expectations of the fishing on this trip? Because we, it's been so many iterations and now we're talking about multiple years. Well, we can finally start thinking about actually fishing now. And we have have under 20 I mean, I might even hit the vice tonight before I fly out tomorrow morning. Uh, uh, the expectations, I, I mean, there's so much going on over there anyway. And that, like that Tanzania trip was really my first time in the bush in Africa. And, uh, so I just special. loved it. I knew yeah. I'd love it. Um, from, uh, from safari and from hunting perspectives and from fishing perspectives, just to have those lodges, bush camps deep into the woods and be able to live in there is just amazing. So, you know, the, the area and the geography is, is massive to me and the expectations of the fishing, um, you know, I mean, obviously fishing in an area with giant Nile perch is going to be, you know, in a, very ri- in a river system, yeah, in a small river system. And that, you know, we've been to multiple different places, especially Guyana, um, fishing for those big Arapaima and stuff in small waterways. And that's, you know, obviously heavy rods, big flies and, um, and very big fish and i think we're going to be looking at at that again so you know seeing these nile perch and what is apparently going to be very clear water is going to be remarkable uh as well as you know what i hate to call bycatch but uh the um yellow fish on you know lighter rods and dry flies is going to be phenomenal yeah Uh, especially since they i mean i did uh i did show the kids a video and mm-hmm. they, you know, a lot of times the Niger, Nigel Barbs, yep. Yellowfish, I'm not sure of the Latin name, but they're swimming among the hippos. And I don't, I don't really, I, I thought that was a no-no to even get, but. Well, well you just got to stretch that cast out there, <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just got to throw it a little farther. I don't really want to. Uh, I think it's colder there now. It will be, yeah. January and February is the colder months there. Which um, I don't think. Leads. Yeah, so it's only going to be like 105. Yeah, <laughs> so it should be it should be fine. I don't think it um, lends itself though to like yellow fishing uh, prime time. I guess is what I'm. I, I don't think it is, but I think it's. Um, I think maybe some nymphs on those, right? You could still. Yeah, I mean it. It depends on, um, you know, from the literature I've read and the people I've talked to. Um, it's be prepared for both because you couldn't have. 
you can have top water dry fly action and there's obviously plenty of bugs around so uh we'll we'll try it we'll try it both on those fish no doubt and then the tiger fish are always fun too is that the is it this i don't, I don't even again right we, we we finally are trending the right way on this trip but is that the same species that no it's not the goliaths the goliaths we fished for in tans okay and those are uh those i think are the ones that excess 20 pounds and stuff and i think we'll be more happy to get them you know five yeah ten, five to ten pounds gotcha. um, which will still be still be a blast and, and plus fishing clear water i mean that's 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 the game always i mean i i hate fishing dark cloudy blind casting water um yeah I'll, I'll do help. it, yeah. but no, you know, it. to be able to, to it's target a, it's a hunt. bonus. Yeah. yeah. But, to target but you're missing the, the you're missing the night nighttime aspect. Yeah, the night bite's gonna be tough for the visual. <laughs> um and you know, also, you know, do not turn your flashlight on ever. So you're you know, at some point we're gonna have to do a reality check on why we're standing on the shore of a river loaded with crocs and hippos in the dark with no flashlight, casting. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be looking as forward to this yeah. as I am. <laughs> well, I do, I do think, from what I from what I have read, right? Um, you you do kind of go over your beat in light, so that yeah. you're familiar with the terrain enough, right? You study. Yeah, it. they're not they're, they're not going to march us through the woods in the dark and be like, okay, stop here and fish. Yeah, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be mapping that out way ahead of time. Yeah, the the it. It, it's going to be frightening. There's, I mean, it's, it will be. Um, I, I think anyone who says differently than, you know, so be it. But it, compared to what was described about Gabon um, and, and doing that program with the, you know, getting out in the, in the ocean with the saltwater crocs and the, the light sticks attached to mm. a light stick belt, but we we will uh, that was one of the iterations of this trip as we were actually going to going to do both and then we were very quickly told um don't don't try to mix in other countries at this point yeah i think the travel within africa is a it's tough enough and it's well, yeah, really getting... tough when you've got to deal with uh you know once again covid stuff and crossing borders and and you know I don't linking up with people on the other side and figuring all that out. And, and obviously flights get canceled for absolutely no reason. Yeah. And well, then you're stuck and you know. changed twice this week. Yeah. Now we're going. Yeah. Anyhow, um, that's uh, again, very, you know, hopefully we see some friendly faces and um, get to some port, right? Some, uh, this is the beginning. So we'll be the first people in there. Mm, until um, all the soccer hooligans show up yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> or football hooligans um that should be uh should be good hopefully it'll be smooth and uh yeah can't wait to get there I'm looking forward to that that moment when the plane takes off from the runway back in the back in the bush and we're jumping in the car and heading to the camp well, that's gonna yeah. be uh it'll be it's gonna th- be the prize it'll be three days but um Boy, after waiting for a couple of years, it could be, uh, it could be, well, just thinking about it, it's special already. And, yeah, we've uh, been waiting three and a half years. Yeah. So three days is just, <laughs> yeah, know, what's three it's days? easy. Um, well, that's, uh, that's good news. Yeah. Um, yeah. So on to, uh, on, on to your story. So 
this, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. We just talk about all of these places that we've been together and how is it that, do you know anything about the history of your grandmother and the, the, the women's fly fisher club? Cause well, yeah, I mean, it was my great grandmother. She was born in the, in the late 1800s. Um, you know, lived to about 90, but fished and hunted all her life. Uh, obviously with my great grandfather who, whose first job was actually, uh, shooting lions in Africa in 1912 for, um, for what for the railroads when they were building the railroads wow um, Tanzania Nairobi Kenya um, so there's just a long history of, of fishing and hunting in the family that goes back generations not do, do you, you know, know a decent amount about the history or no yeah a fair amount yeah enough how how let's let's rewind for a second sure how, how did your great grandfather get contacted or did he contact them to i mean how, how? I, I think he literally took a job in the paper <laughs> really? saying yeah saying um you know wanted uh hunters in africa to have you know, lion control while building the railroads animal control and he was happy to be over there in fact digging through some old archives found a picture of uh found a picture of him uh, standing with Teddy Roosevelt, both holding fly rods by the side of the river. No way. Yeah. So there's some there's some very interesting stuff that's hidden back in there. I mean, it goes back. Yeah, it goes back over a hundred years. And do you guys have pretty good like doc? I mean, because yeah, I, can't, I can't find anything about. There's documentation. Um, oh, it's not from Life magazine or Sports Illustrated or whatever, but it's from some old sporting magazine. Uh, where we have the clippings of the article of what they were doing over there and the pictures of, you know, the railroads being built and, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting stuff. Yeah, I wish weird. there was more, wish there was more to know about it, but it's more so passed down stories as well with, um, you know, with skulls to prove it. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, it's that simple. What uh, about the, uh, the steamships? Is, is there any, I mean, that's fascinating. Is there any photos of that? Yeah, there's some. There's some old black and whites, but they, uh, you know, my grandparents, great-grandparents loved to fish. So did my grandparents, and so did my parents as well. But my great-grandparents, you know, w did. They took steamships over to England, um, fished on the Tay, fished on the Beats in, in England, and then went over to Norway to fish for Atlantics as well. And then back when, you know, being back in the United being back in New York, they'd be up in uh, – Quebec and fishing the Miramichi and they just loved uh they just loved salmon fishing and you know my grandfather was born in Cuba in 1928 he was born on a British naval base I did know that because at, yeah. one, at one point that was your uh that was going to be my card to get into Cuba <laughs> that I had relatives there but since it was since the naval base was British soil it does not count so I got tossed to the dogs on that but you did track it down right I'd yeah lo I love that and I attracted well I I found that but also you know, in the in the old five generation hunting camp back in the Northeast, uh, you know, there's old fishing and salmon journals. You know, just sort of like fish logs that you know say Isle of Pines, Cuba, 1952, uh, fishing for bonefish with uh, gray ghosts yeah. and catching bones back in the early 50s and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's great history. It's fun to find that stuff when you're digging around and find an old book and you pull something out and all of a sudden it's got a fish log in there on, on 
catching bones in Cuba in the fifties. Yeah, yeah, I've got a I've got a box from my grandfather. Yeah, uh, you've got a great history too going back. Yeah. And I I at one point um I thought it was cool, right? That they that he kept all of the the deep water key club notes. Yeah. And like the actual newsletter when they actually took time to do that back in the day. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I Xeroxed them and, and got in touch with the guy and they had zero interest. And I was like, really? Yeah. That's, it's, it's, that's, that's kind of lame. Yeah, I don't understand that. But, uh, but it's also, I, think it's just, I think it's so much fun to look at and it's so much fun to, uh, you know, have the old tackle too from, from generations and generations. I mean, we've got a, we've got a, I've got a, so many old bamboo rods that if you locked a panda bear in the room, he'd come out fat a year later. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's insane. Uh, uh, we take care of it and it's fun to, it's fun to pull those old hardy perfects off the wall and, or out of the box and be like, yeah, this, this was, this is, this is old. This is what they used to do. No yeah. drag, no nothing. And uh, yeah, very cool stuff. Very cool. I, I also, it, it does bring up my grandfather, Right, bone fishing and salmon fishing, obviously trout fishing, but um, it's it's interesting because it seems like Atlantic salmon fishing it just doesn't happen, right? At least in our circles. No, or, our exposure is. I, and I wonder if that's from private land, like private access, or if it's. A yeah, dying, I think there's a little bit of both. Um, or if we're pushing I the, the I think the fisheries just shot. Yeah. I mean, at least it is on the Atlantic seaboard um, for, you know, the U.S. and Canada a little bit. It's not anywhere near what it used to be. Uh, and, you know, the, I, I would love to do it, but I don't know if I can pull off a Norway or an Iceland or something like that. Yeah. It's not uh, not easy to do. The If you get in, you're going to be fishing the shoulder seasons probably. Um and and it's just the nickel on it's ridiculous, obviously, and that that's, you know, that can be a problem. Absolutely, so. and I also do wonder if it's, um, you know, us pushing the envelope a little more, right? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe back then, maybe people were, can they didn't know, right? I mean, we we've we know a couple people that have been to Cameroon. Um, Obviously, after meeting the guys at African Waters, we were like, I mean, personally, you, you could speak to it as well. But personally, after spending a week with them, I told them, you know, I, I'll go anywhere yeah. with you guys. I mean, they were that pro. Um, but it's interesting. Just just the and it's also I, I feel the way about Cameroon that the way that you are talking about Atlantic Salmon on the Eastern seaboard. Right. I, I don't think this will exist. Unfortunately. Yeah. Now it's hitting fisheries when they're there and we're, we're a little late to the game. Um, but still obviously good, but the, you know, why are we fishing the Seychelles so much? Because the fishery is still so good Yeah, and it's, it's just remarkable whether that, you know, you know, you talk about the Florida keys in the fifties and sixties exactly. and, and, and you know, Cuba and places like that, that are a lot closer um, to get over there to the Seychelles and to see those fish in their numbers and in their sizes and, and in their happiness is just remarkable. Well, it's worth every, you know, it's worth every cent of, of money and time to do it because it's that good. Yeah. And I think, well, I know, right. At one point we were going to go to Egypt 
and, I, and I'm probably going to screw up the name of the lake, but Lake Nassar. Lake Nassar, yeah. Nassar. Courier had been a couple of times, right? He, he was talking to us. Yeah. Since then, right, it's gone. Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think anybody's fishing it really anymore. I, I, don't, I don't mean, think, I don't think there's fish. So yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's worth putting a trip together. It's kind of like fishing northern Burma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may not exactly be the. Uh, Are we gonna go there? Or, or, oh boy. Jeez, I don't know. I've, I've already been there. I don't yeah. know if I could do it twice. <laughs> if I could do it, I can't even do it in my head anymore. Oh, uh, we'll have. We'll, we'll we'll get there. We have to talk about that. That's. Oh, yeah. uh, there's, there's too much going on there, but I would like to, uh, you know, go, I mean, obviously I mentioned in the introduction, right. The, we, we met over a cigarette machine. I mean, that was, uh, that, that was amazing. And yeah, back 20 something years ago, it was, you're allowed to have a cigarette every once yeah. in a while. <laughs> uh, you know, I can't really do that as much as we used to, but, and wasn't there some, uh, there was some devil's lettuce that got mixed in there, right? There may I mean, have been. I mean, once you show up with a rolling machine with a nest of fishing guides, somebody's bound to be like, can I borrow that for a second? And then not wash it when they're done. Well, so. I, thought, uh, I thought there was a moment uh, um, the, the next morning where you, you thought you were going to have a nice tobacco. Uh, I think so. And I think, uh, and you, you, I think that, that was also one of those mornings where... Uh, you know, a Budweiser sounded like a pretty good idea to, to start the day <laughs> off too, and then a cigarette, and you know, couldn't really taste that well. And um, next thing you know, you're looking at me, going, "You're gonna really smoke that whole thing by yourself without <laughs> handing it to me?" And I'm like, well, "You want one? Roll one." And uh, apparently, the uh, the scent was a little off. Yeah, but oh, youth, youth. Oh well. Um, well, let's let's start. You know, the Panama trip and you you brought it to my attention that a tarpon fishing trip might have happened before that we'll, we'll get to the bottom of that actually but irregardless um it's interesting because i didn't do a lot of spin fishing growing up i didn't right i, mean, I know how to throw i knew how to throw a spin rod um but when you invited me to go to panama and i actually looked at a bunch of those pictures this morning um, and you were explaining the surf casting, the whole idea of what was going on was so, I mean, it's kind of like me trying to go elk hunting right now. Like I, I don't do not know what I'm doing. <laughs> and, but I just said, yes, I'm in. And it was a, uh, it was an eye opening trip that you, you had already been on, right? Yeah. We'd done a few trips there, um, with a few different people too. Uh, outfit called pesca panama off of cueva island and the uh, the volume of fish was amazing and it also has to do with the uh you know just the underwater bathymetrics of of that area i mean you go from you could see land and you're in six thousand feet of water and you've got underwater mounds so you've got marlin sails wahoo um and then sort of and and tons of extra large yellowfin tuna um, then you kind of can sort of plug the shorelines of some of these islands and you get big rooster fish, Kubera snapper coming up to the surface and smashing big plugs. And, you know, the idea when we first went down there was to, you know, do as much bait and switch with the spinning rod and, you know, really try to focus on, you know, on just the fly fishing. But as we spent time down there, you could wait all day 
to throw a fly. Whereas you just finally, you just started throwing big bull GT Yozuri poppers and catching fish on spinning rods. And then when the wind would lay down or you'd have the opportunities, you start playing the bait and switch and yeah. really trying for a Kubera or something like that, which was, uh, which never happened because you just couldn't move the fly fast enough. They just run up on it and eyeball it. And not to mention, I mean, some of those fish on fly rods, I mean, it, you, you can, yeah. you can do it, but it wasn't a one man show. No. Um, and you're also, you're hooked up on a, I mean, we had 14 and 15 weights. I don't know, you know, just shorter sticks for fighting in deeper water. Uh, but those, you know, those fish would just, they just win, you know, you just yeah. couldn't really, you couldn't really do it. And, you kind of lock the whole boat up for two hours fighting a, you know. Or more. Yeah, fighting a 40-pound yellowfin. You just can't get the traction on them. Um, because Troy, Troy locked the boat up for two hours on a, on a tuna. Yeah, he was on a tuna on a, on, a, on a plug rod. Yeah. And he was getting hurt. <laughs> we were uh, wrapping towels around him. We were trying everything to, to make it easier for him. But, yeah, it's just when those fish sound, it's tug of war, you know. Well, that, that actually was like... That was a moment in time in fishing that I'll never forget when we got to David and before we took off, because we left in the center of console boats. Yeah. In Petrigal. Yeah. Just, just so people understand, like the, the, the lodge was a barge. And so the lodge, we left and then the barge, barge followed us. But before we even left to go fishing, you sat down with the guides and switched out all of the O-rings. And yeah. I, I was sitting there like, oh, wow. Like, this yeah, you is- did change out the hooks and the O-rings on a lot of the plugs just because, you know, what the factory builds them, they're just not strong enough for, for you know, 250-pound yellowfin. They're just the deer's just going to disintegrate. It's just going to it's just going to straighten. So, yeah, we had to change everything around and make it uh, make it bomb proof and you know double check knots and make sure you know you're fishing good. You know, sixty five pound spectra or eighty pound spectra. And yeah, I mean it's a whole lesson in uh, in conventional tackle, which I have no interest in. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I had to had to get the basics down quick. Well, or you know, you're just going to go out there with. Uh, you know, with your, I don't know, with your grandfather's striped bass reel, and that thing's just gonna just gonna melt. Yeah. You know. So. And did did you did they suggest that to you the first time you went down there, or is that something you brought? Yeah, one of the guys down there thought it. Yeah, I mean, definitely suggested that. Gotcha. Said change these out. Um, you know, and just buy the higher end, two hundred pound, you know, O rings and and. Uh, Spend the money on the on the bigger hooks. Yeah, and, know, and for people hooks. for people listening, so these are twelve inch long topwater lures. Yeah, and the O ring is connected, you know, circular piece that it, that is then connected to the treble hook, and so those were straightening. Therefore, you were re- reinforcing them. Yeah, and the know. hooks would, the hooks would bust too on the basically on the factory hooks off of of. Uh, a lot of these plugs so you just had to change them you had to change them out to much beefier heavier gang hooks and then get rid of that belly hook and go with a single hook um even though a lot of a lot of the fishing uh you know a lot of it was topwater tuna and a lot of those fish you know did come aboard so they kind of liked feeding us as well so there wasn't a lot of i mean i hate treble hooks yeah so having to use them 
you know, just tears, tear fish's faces up. But a lot of the yellowfin that we were catching, you know, we were, we were the smaller ones. We were easy to release. Um, and the bigger ones were great to land and bring them home and eat them. Yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. Just, well, just I, yeah, I have very fond memories of that trip. I mean, it, as far as I remember, it, it was pretty textbook, right? I mean, it was, um, on the way out, we got into some big rooster fish. We got into some big Kuberas and then we got out to the fishing grounds and the tuna thing started to happen. We had that, the yeah. battle that I was referring to before, and that was an O-ring failure. Yeah, it was a straighten. Yeah. 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 On the replaced O-ring. Yeah, on a 200-pound O-ring. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 didn't, just... it didn't go over well. He, he, he... No, no. It was, there was a little <laughs> bit of a temper tantrum, if I recall. Uh, but that... Uh, it's bound to happen. And it should like, have been a thank you because we, we were uh, we were just drinking beer patiently, right? I mean, yeah, waiting. Yeah, just on wanted the, to see this thing. Yeah, um, it's um, and then another memorable. I mean, and I'm bringing this up because it definitely changed my perspective. There's there's no doubt about it that when when I saw the first marlin, call it over seven eight hundred pounds. Yeah, I, it was I, massive. I, when when it came out of the water. The first thought was if you if you fish and you don't see this um, or try to at some point in your life, you're, you're missing something because that was a um, that was a point in time when when I saw that first one come out near the boat where I was absolutely floored. I mean, yeah. Of just a beast of that. And that was, you know, that was when we finally got to use fly rods was to catch the bonita so we could troll them for the for the 500-pound marlin. Yeah. Plus. So and I think on that trip, like, I don't know in the marlin, I mean, I, you know, I don't do enough of it. I, I, I don't know in the marlin world, obviously a 1,000-pounder, right? Like, that's the goal. Yeah, there's not a lot of granders caught. Um, down there, they're there, but, you know, but mostly – the black marlin that were there is what you're after, but we did hook into a big blue and got that big blue. But that, you know, it's, it's, those marlin are just too big for, for fly tackle, yeah. I think. And, you know, when we did some of that black marlin fishing off Australia, you know, those fish were 80 to 150 and those were perfect size for fly routing, but it's so difficult to raise them and tease them and then be like, no, that one's too big. And you've got other people on the boat that want to want to hook the thing. Yeah, so they, you're like, well, throw that bait in the water and throw that beneath, live bonita in and swim them, and he'll smash it. So Yeah. Um, it's and just you, fun to You fun guys to caught one in. on the fly in Australia when we were there, right? Yeah, Jed did. Yeah. Jed did. We, we raised 12. Um, they didn't want to stay up, but Jed ended up landing one. It was awesome. And I think we both – you know, lost another pair out of that 12 that we raised. They were, you, they were all marlin or was there sails mixed in? There? there was a sail mixed in at one point. I think that was caught and landed too. Um, but the focus was the black marlin. I mean, sail fishing, you can sail fish in a lot of places in the world yeah. on fly. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's the most incredibly challenging thing in fly well, fishing is, also is sail spoiled. fishing. I mean, you're spoiled. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean. And I'm sure that <laughs> professional sail fishermen are going to scream at me for that, but um, it's still a great time, and it's great. But to be all the way in Western Australia yeah. and have these shot at these black marlin, you know, was, while looking at land, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's like exactly, yeah. That is uh, the other, you know, having just been there, I I don't know, but the the drop at Crooked. Um, mm-hmm. that, that is, that's something we'll, 
we'll chatter when we get uh, stuck. <laughs> in the yeah, the tongue of the ocean and all that stuff in the yeah. Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, there's that's an incredible blue water fishery. No I haven't you, but you haven't done much since. I mean, you you did those trips. Um, no, the yeah. I mean, growing up when I was little, I was you know, fifteen, sixteen doing everything on the dock to help wash people's boats or whatever in order to try to get offshore in the Northeast to, to for, you know, bluefin, maybe overnighting, trying to get a sword, catching some yellowfin and some longfin tuna. You know, that was something that after I left that and really started focusing on, you know, fly fishing, uh, more so inshore, it was, uh, I never thought I'd see a lot of blue water again just because it was something that, you know, it was, I don't want to, I don't want to troll. I don't want to be in a big boat and troll, yeah. you know, troll skirts and, and uh, lures and stuff like that or, or baits. Um, you know, I wanted to hunt and target and flats fish and everything. Sure. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's still phenomenal to do it. But that growing up doing that was something I never thought I'd do much more of. But Panama came around and I just couldn't say no. So, um it was great fun to, you know, still to even plug for big tuna oh, as opposed yeah. to trolling. I mean, you're throwing into these blitzes and it's just, it's just, they're, they're skying out of the water at hundred, 200 pounds. And it's just phenomenal to see. Yeah. And then no, you're, you know, was, you're hooking them up. So it was remarkable. And the, the whole surf casting rod was an absolute masterstroke. Yeah. And, and the way that, you know, you would run to the front launch step to the side i mean the whole the whole thing was yeah, it's a conveyor belt yeah <laughs> yeah it's like we did uh the same thing we were doing in um in dubai for the queen fish yeah where exactly you know that was the four of us are on the boat and and uh uh a guide says um hey you know all right somebody get on the bow and get ready to cast and all four of us stand up and start casting <laughs> and he ducks for cover and is like well, one at a time <laughs> we're like no we got this we can we can do four people and so you know because we're watching each other's cast and this guy's down and he's tips down on the water he moves down the rail the other guy gets up there bangs the loop the other guy's on the on the stern throwing it and all of a sudden he's running around like jesus man there's three fish on what do i do here like don't worry about it you know it's great fun oh i was gonna ask you later but yeah yeah we'll we'll hopefully see him again soon um one thing I was going to ask you that was on, on my list was who, who taught you how to fly cast? And, and I'll preface this with the reason why I asked that is because I'm, I'm not trying to, to blow smoke up your ass, but your, your cast is, I mean, you've got an alligator arm and you know, you, you can talk about that a little bit, but your cast is definitely one of the smoothest well, fly casts I've ever well, that's very kind to say. Um, Seriously, though, I mean, you... it's it started with you know, I mean, in the early mid seventies when we were five, six, seven years old, uh, with my grandmother out on the lawn and with my great grandmother out on the lawn. And one of the things I remember with me and my brother was, um, she came out with a piece of bread and said, "Hold this, you know, hold this between your body and your arm, oh, and cast. So don't you don't use your arm." And that's. You know, that was fishing bamboo rods and slow rods. And I mean, I think we finally got the first graphite Fenwicks out there, the HMGs or whatever. So, I mean, these rods were extremely loose, but having sort of a, a smooth stroke with a bamboo rod and then 
as rods developed and we started to fish more and then all of a sudden you're getting handed you know you know graphite orvis rods and sage rods and things you can start finding your own stroke and really carrying rod you know really carrying line and and using your whole arm and extension backwards and forwards obviously and carrying it to load it just like just like a fly cast but i think like anything else it's um you know it's just it's it turns into a little bit of muscle memory and you just figure it out and you know what you're doing and um, yeah, but yours, th- is, then yours you start, is unique because, I mean, I've obviously... Because I, my arm's broken in seven <laughs> places? Yeah, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't help. Some people think it helps me. But I, if I, I, I don't have full extension. I have about 85% extension on my casting arms. So, you know, I, if, I would love to know if I could do full extension forward and backwards. And I probably ought to learn to cast lefty, too, because... I, I might be able to throw it farther if I need to, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm perfectly happy with, with what's going on. Um, yeah. It's just interesting because you don't right in order for me to cast like that, my arm has to go all the way out and, and you're, I don't know. It's such a fluid motion. And I, and I think, uh, I don't know. It, it's worth asking because I've, watched you cast a lot yeah well, the other there's not a lot of people is, that cast like you i mean so. the other fun things about you, you with fly fishing or fly casting you you, you got to remember you're still fishing i mean so, there's so much of it that's tangled up i know it's such a it's such an art and you know i look at it as more so the fishing that's why i love changing angles and dropping back casts and you know yeah i mean roll casting right into sure. the next throw and just finding that dynamics is keeping your fly in the water as much as possible. So, because you, you love to fish, if you yeah. want to cast, go, to go the- out to the football field, <laughs> knock yourself out, you know. But yeah, well, that's I mean, that's that's actually a good segue into uh, your permit fishing and you know how that's taken off for you because I think no, that least, was your fault. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot for that. Well, I think that, um, you know, y- y- with saltwater fishing, flats fishing, people tend to think you have to throw 100 feet. And then the more you do it, the more you experience it. Yes, it doesn't hurt to be able to throw 100 feet on a dime. There's no doubt about that. You can't, you can't argue that. There might, yeah. be, there might be a time when you need to use that. And in fact, I, we both have stories where that has played out to that. But yeah. 90, 98% of the time, what, and the more you permit fish, it puts it in the spotlight where you actually are like, I, I'm casting too far because I can't read what the fish is doing. So Right. It, I get yelled at constantly by guides <laughs> when they're like, why, why are you trying to hit the other side of the river? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get the set. And I'm like, I, because I, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I don't know because I already fished it. it, it I already it, fishing it short. I already made five casts short. Now I'm going. It feels going so deep. good. Yeah, it, exactly. You yeah. know, it's just fun to do. Um, but there's there's obviously and and it, you know you had to remind me. I'll I'll never forget it. But you know your your first permit and we'll we'll get to that. But the other one which was just absolutely remarkable. That's <laughs> 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 when we were fishing. We were in Ascension Bay and you you laid there was a school of fish, school of permit, you laid the cast out, and then it was 
you know, strip, strip, got them, and then clean. And they weren't big. Yeah. And you brought it in, and you still... <laughs> yeah, I still had my loop knot, but no fly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think I, Jose was yelling at me, like, you know, yeah. you, kept, you, you kept the rod down too low, oh, and yeah. you put too much pressure on him, and he broke you off. And I'm like, you broke fishing... I think we were fishing 20 pound back then, too. Yeah. We hadn't even figured that we should be... At least, you know, at least at 16. The most at 16. Trying to actually fight and, uh, the fish? Yeah, and somehow it was, uh, I don't know, some, some. I can't even remember the company, and I wouldn't mention it anyway, but uh, well, it, I, the, I, the, I, I wasn't welded, and so it just sort of slowly opened, and uh, yeah, and I got the loop back. Yeah, it didn't even, it wasn't even that. It was just, it, it. Yeah, it's just good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, try doing that. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you want to talk, <laughs> talk about a sick maneuver? <laughs> try try doing that. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna do that. Um that was uh that was special. And then also, um, I mean we probably have to discuss it even though it, it it's harrowing to even think about, but your first permit, so just to set the stage on this, uh, and I'm gonna skip over most of it, but we we had gotten in a boat accident, and I had personally with uh, with a buddy, and we had hit a stump, lost control of the boat. The boat flipped. The boat was coming at us, and what saved us was the boat hit the ocean floor, and the polling platform ripped off the boat, and that's what stopped the boat. Subsequently, after that, when we realized that we were alive, had our limbs, we were able to get the boat right-sided, but then it filled up with water, and it sunk, and so we were gathering all of everything we could to get it back in the boat, and I happened to see a boat coming around the corner, and it just so happened to be Saskabroon. Yeah, we were a ways out, and we could hear... And we will differ on this. So. Yeah. Well, we could, it was, I mean, you guys were far, but we could hear what sounded like cows, but it was, <laughs> it was you guys yelling. And uh, so I asked the guy, and I'm like, what's going on over there? And he's like, I don't know. I mean, this is a cent. this is Mexico. You know, well, whoever that is, there's no polling platform on that boat because it had ripped off. So they're not with us. So I don't know what they're yelling at. And they might be telling us to leave because they might be doing something illegal. So, um, and we were, know. we were waving, we were yeah, waving. Meanwhile, well, you guys were screaming and waving at us. And we thought we had, we had the orange we were like, these people want us out of here. Yeah, these people don't want us around. They're pushing us off. And I mean, finally it just got annoying. So I, I mean, grabbed the, you know, telephoto lens on the camera and dialed it in. And I was like, it looks like they want something, you know, it looks, I was like, well, all right, if we know them, you know, if we know them, I'm going to be really mad. If we don't know them, I'm going to be wicked mad. Because we were, yeah, and we were in a tournament. Yeah. So, so we, you know, reeled up and putted over there. And then you're standing there like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? We've been standing here for an hour screaming at you. And it's like, well, what are you doing? But, and but you're before like, that. We, we sunk the boat. I'm like, the boat's right there. They're like, no, we rolled it and lost all our gear. And, and I was like, oh, man, you guys all right? And I'm like, good. So. Yeah. But before that, right, before you even got to us, that's when it went down. That's, What's that? That's when you caught your first fish. No, no, no. No, I caught my first one. Well, right when we were reeling in, um, 
Pato's on the on the platform and is like permit four o'clock, eighty feet. I got another one at forty feet at two o'clock, and I'm like, God, you know. And I was like, Well, all right. So a couple of quick casts, and then <laughs> it's like, All right, well, we got to go figure out what's going on over here. This little puppet show on the sandbar that these guys are putting on. And we got over there, and yeah, I jumped out of the boat and you know gave you a hug, like I'm glad everybody's all right. And we started talking about, all right, well, we need to mark the time because we're going to have to tow you guys in or whatever. And and uh, Pato's like, hey, Tim, you got a school permit coming down or a couple permit coming down the shoreline. And I was like, well, we got to help these guys. And he's like, no, catch that fish. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So, you know, just luckily standing in the water, wade fishing as opposed to boat fishing once again. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah threw one right in there and set him up and hooked him up and high routed him and you just looked at me and you were like unbelievable man and i was like yeah maybe we'll give it 10 minutes before we call it in that we're out of the tournament for an hour or two yeah. until you in but yeah that was number one that was 2014 and i wish uh yeah i wish i'd had more exposure to it when i was younger but we were fishing we were doing other stuff you know we were yeah well I'm a, I'm a firm yeah. believer though that all of that stuff right i mean i i don't i don't abide by the theory and this is just me personally that other fishing doesn't help mm. a particular type of fishing i think it all helps personally. yeah i think it does too and i think uh and i think that's why you right i mean you you you, you stormed the castle i mean you, you came on the permit scene hot i i don't we don't need to talk numbers but you, you've caught a lot of permit in what is eight years yeah yeah it's worked out all right (laughs) pretty happy (laughs) and not to mention right i mean you caught the largest fish in the mark march morgan or was that what did it not oh it wasn't it was uh it had to be it was close a couple years ago um yeah it was clue was within an inch and a half or something like that of you know i think we pulled a 25 fishing with scotty irvine pulled a 25 pounder and I think 32 inches, and I think Dustin Huff in the last hour managed to pull up 33 and a half at 26 pounds. Yeah, I knew it was right there. Bumped us, uh, kept us up there, but it bumped but us. But you out ended a up in, I mean, you ended up in third place, which yeah, we is did. amazing. Yeah, it was cool. It was a tough, tough. It's always a tough tournament, but it was, uh, it was fun to. Uh, well, it's always fun to participate in all those, and regardless, and I mean, those it gets absolutely hysterical too, because a lot of the time I get to fish with Bob Paulson and. Uh, and I mean, we see so much funny stuff out there that, you know, half the time we just have to take a knee and start laughing so hard because we're just ripping on, you know, all the recreational boaters and the sailboats. And it, we just, we some, just get some going. Jet, and, some Kenny Powers jet oh, skis. Oh, God. It's, just, it's insane. It's insane what goes on down there in the Keys anyway. But uh, when you've got, uh, you got the right guide with you, it's just, it just gets so darn funny after a while that you realize how much fun you're having you know yeah in a tournament yeah it makes it makes it incredible well and not to mention the wealth of knowledge i mean that guy is, yeah yeah he's a gem so and yeah. you said he's he's just doing tarpon right i haven't talked to him in a, in a while but i think he's yeah i mean sold their house in the keys and moved out to montana and uh he's still gonna be fishing down there i think staying uh staying with dougie for a few months and finishing up this season and probably continuing to do that for a few few months a year i mean he's a tarpon maniac he's still yeah. dar- darn good permit fisherman too um 
But I think uh, I could see how heavily fishing the Keys for God knows how many years can see the change and how busy it is and what's going on down there. But, you know, you know, that's hell. You can talk to all the other guys about that. Yeah. They've got hours of chatter on what's going on. Yeah. But I still I still think and it would be interesting to hear your take on this, too. But I, I still do think that, you know, to learn and to really take I mean, right, you set out to start catching fish in the permit world and then you catch a bunch and then you're, you quickly, right, I want to learn more. And I, and I do think fishing with, with those guys in the lower keys and probably uh, upper keys for that. Yeah. I mean, I just haven't spent a lot of time there, but. Um, no, that's it, the it, finest kind. It, it seems like probably the toughest permit fishery that I bumped into anyway. So yeah, catching a fish in the keys, catching a permit in the keys is. Um, I think is a it's it's more rewarding to me than catching a fish in Ascension or Mexico. Um, yeah, the the amount the the amount of data points that they put together to yeah. you know in order to be successful catching those fish there is is on top of yeah knowing I mean with with all those flats and just different tides uh, it's yeah it's a it's very cranial yeah and those guys are incredible at it. Yeah, and I still uh, I still tell tell people that. I mean, like if you really want to, if you want to step it up, um, you know, go to the keys. I mean, you, you're, yeah. There's there's all the nonsense that we're talking about, but that that doesn't take away from from the level of guiding. Yeah, I mean, it's, absolutely. It's a, it's a whole different world. Um, well, let's. You know, I was flipping through some photos. I mean, there's just <laughs> <laughs> there's so many, but. This, uh, you know, the Guiana, the Guiana story was awesome just because obviously that was, that was seven years. So that was my 40th and just awesome crew. And then obviously that jungle, we I actually touched on that with Vance. I mean, that, that jungle. Yeah. That's another thing similar to, to Cameroon, hopefully in Tanzania is, um, your geographic surroundings are just phenomenal and yeah. and being able to camp in the jungle and then fish for these just you know leviathans is just is just so much fun yeah and there and i know you don't you know you don't subscribe to the the social media and and i'm not it, yet yeah. is that is that going on <laughs> <laughs> never have and don't, oh. don't don't think i will yeah uh, you're you're lucky um but I will be posted. So I was flipping through, you know, the photos, like I was saying, and that I don't think I was, I wasn't there for this fish, but you sent it to me and it, I I don't even know if you can get close to how big it was, but eyesight, right. It has to be all of three fifty. Yeah. It's tough to say. I mean, we did, I, I did, I think I did six or seven trips down to Guyana. Um, which is amazing. Just because I just I sort of fell in love with that area, the people, and that and that fish, and also having Matt Brewer, boots on the ground down there was just uh, phenomenal because he's just an incredibly hysterical individual and um, knows his you know knows his stuff and everything. So we just had so much fun on top of everything else as usual. Um, but yeah, we we did get some big ones, but I remember in a specific pond fishing in November. What pond was it? Do you remember? Yeah, it was a Cayman pond. Okay. And 
we had a big one uh we had a big one hooked up and we we were trying to land it sort of on the shoreline and we had it and we had it three different times and we were trying to get a tape on it and it was just too big it was just too big to hang on to and you know it was lip hooked right up top and finally it just got away from us so we never got a tape on it but from the ones that we had actually weighed and measured and worked with the scientists on it, you know, we put that fish over 250. The one, and then, the one that I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I went back in March and we're in the same pond and this beast rolls. And the guide was like, that's, that's the one, that's the one that you lost three months ago. So I was like, all right. So we stayed in that area and just started to bomb it with, with casts. And I went tight and, uh, yeah, and it rolled, and you know, I was like, well, "I've got him! I got him! I got the beast again!" And then after he rolled, his tail came up, and here's my fly sticking out of his tail. Oh, really? So yeah. So, so I was like, "We got to cut it." I'm not towing this fish backwards. I don't want to hurt this thing. But you know, I just pointed the rod and started reeling a little bit, and we pushed the boat over there, and the fish was sort of docile and. One of the Amerindians dove overboard, went underwater, and then came up 30 <laughs> seconds later with this belly hug, this thing like a, you know, like a crocodile. And uh, yes, yeah, so we jumped in and dragged him back to shore and, and uh, got a tape on him at 88 and a half with like a 44-inch girth and wow. did the calculations and came out to about 275, 280. And that was... Uh, yeah, maybe I was a little yeah, heavy-handed. But, you know, it's the only yeah. fish that's taking me four months to land. Yeah. You know, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that um the hook slipped on that or do you think i have no idea i mean with those fish and the visibility in the water of three inches um it was just you know it was yeah, it was a accidental snag unfortunately yeah but, um and you know it was just it, it, then when we landed the fish we saw this upper lip scar and i was like there it is there's that's exactly where the hook was and so sort of these guys confirmed it too and no big deal. It doesn't matter. It's just a funny story more than anything else. But um, all those fish look enormous when they're out there. Yeah, like, but that, oh. that one in particular, I mean, yeah, I, was, I, that was I don't know the last time you've seen that photo, but I saw it this morning. And I mean, that, that thing. That is a big yeah, one. That is it's a real big one. One thing I didn't ask you, because I, I, I only went there once. So it took us most of the trip to start tracking. So. You know, for, for those unfamiliar with Arapaima, it's a dinosaur. And, you know, I mean, we could, we could go into that, but they do have an air bladder and they do, they do breathe air in a similar capacity to tarpon. Um, but one thing they do is they leave a bubble trail, right? So they come yeah. up, they roll, they breathe air, they go back down. And then they leave a bubble trail. And then once it seemed to me that once we actually got through the language barrier and put that together, our success rate started to skyrocket. Did you continue like on the future trips or did that really not? I mean, the learning curve is right up there with a lot of people's first dozen tarpon, you know, where, you know, you've got to keep the rod down. You've got to set, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be careful. You can't strike. You can't do anything like that. So, I mean, I think we, I, I think I went 12 misses on the first trip. Yeah. I, no, mean, I, I mean, finally, on like the 11th hour, I finally landed one because <laughs> I was going home with, uh, with nothing on that first trip. Well, I think a and, bunch of us were. Right? Yeah. I mean, so actually I was but, after, you know, 
after then uh, <laughs> after then going back a few times to get retribution, you know, you 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 really paid attention to what you remembered, and you could start um, seeing them, seeing how they swam, understanding your depths, leading them, and trying to get the fly right in front of their face where they had to have it. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm asking. So. Yeah. You know the the bubble trail, and then because the water's tannic, dirty, right? I mean, yeah, I mean three inches of viz. You can't, yeah. you know, you can't but see anything. I guess what I'm what I'm saying is, did you see the hookup ratio start to increase significantly once you were? I mean, because you can kind of track that, yeah. right? I mean, it's a little bit of almost. Yeah, it's the it's the you know just interception. Yeah, you know, you see the roll. They roll like tarpon. Um, you see the roll, and you lead them. You know, just call it you know, 10 feet long, 10 feet in front, you know, lay that, lay that fly out there, strip it three times and then just start walking it. Yeah. And that's usually when you get the pull and you know, when they, when they eat, they pull, they suck that fly in and they pull you. So that's when you know, you've pretty much gotten an eat yeah. and you're not, you know, hooked on the bottom or on some stick or snagged or something. Um, Cause you're not stripping it very fast. So all of a sudden you're stripping it and all of a sudden at the end of your strip, your stripping hand gets pulled right back up to the reel, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah. And you're like, that's a neat. And then you sock them, you know, I yeah. don't know, 15 <laughs> times to, to try to get the fly. Cause they'll pull the fly into their mouth and then they're just clamped down on the leader. So you're trying to floss them a little bit and try to hope that hook finds some purchase. Would you, would it. you agree that their mouths are harder than tarpon? I mean, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. It has to be. I would yeah. say so. But they're both just as crafty as when they get in the air of spitting a hook like a tarpon yeah. or, a, uh, or a snook, you know. Yeah, so. it's uh, um, well, it's pretty cool to hear though, because I, I didn't, you and I never really got to talk about that. That the learning curve. I mean, after you had been down there a bunch, right? Like it started yeah. to go up. Yeah, I mean, it took a long time to get it right. Yeah, I mean, it really did. And even uh, when those guys first went down there and started doing it. I mean, they busted just about everything trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Um, and finally, it was like point at it and just start socking it. And hopefully you'll get purchase. Yeah. Know? And is IndieFly still involved in that? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I haven't. I know that Matt's out of it, but uh, I think they're still in full operation, Rewa Village, and yeah. doing it. Yeah. And I'm sure there's somebody down there running it. Uh, and it's, you know, it's it's a short season. I think they fish it. But four weeks in November and four weeks in March, and that's it. Yeah. So, you know, it's a limited thirty-two rods a year, or something like that. Yeah, it's a it's a special place. Yeah, it really is. Well, uh, to transition on to another point in time, because I mentioned in our introduction that we've 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 definitely seen each other. I mean, fly fishing, destination fly fishing, permit fishing, whatever you want to, you know, categorize that is is. To me, it's a it's a very good glimpse at life in fast forward, and you you get to learn a lot about people and how they handle situations. And you and I have basically seen it all together. Mm -hmm. um, I do think, however, I think that we got a plane crash in there somewhere too, <laughs> <laughs> in Brazil. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, we weren't. Yeah. Luckily, it was mild. Yeah. Yeah. It was JV. Thank God. Are we talking about the same one? The plane was too heavy to take off. Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys and just stuck, into the, stuck it in the bushes yeah. instead. Yeah. yeah, and you told them not to go in your cabin. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> uh, 
no, but there's one in particular that um, is just just lies above and beyond it all into uh, the depths of uh, of obviously what I could handle because you you saw me break and um, and it was scary and that was in in Myanmar. Mm. And northern northern yeah no this was in the southern part but let's, let's oh yeah well of course yeah. yeah the northern part was the golden triangle the, probably shouldn't have been in there fishing the but. catching right yeah. i mean we i still have the uh the knife and have you yeah. ever did you ever hear about the um i was fishing with uh george white this summer and he was talking about he's like you should read this book called the snake charmer no yeah, that's on the list now, though. But that's the guy. That's the place we stayed. So, um, just just to put some, con- you know, context to this, um, Jed, Tim, and myself went over to Burma, Myanmar, which whichever one you want to call it, which unfortunately, you know, is is in a different spot today. But it wasn't when we were there. And we were brought over there to search for Golden Masir. And they are there. Um, in fact, I think you were the only one to catch one. But we, we went to some places that it's, you know, and we were with Meisler. Um, mm-hmm. who the World I, Wildlife Fund was sort of putting that together on behalf of the Burmese government to look at the possibilities of the sport fishing in the northern areas. Exactly. Um, and I think the answer was a one-word answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was no. But just just so we get over there and a couple of highlights. Obvi- I mean, right, we're, we're well-traveled enough to know that, A, we were, again, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but we, we were lucky to be there. It was very fortunate to, to experience and see the culture. And we... We got to see that in Yangon. Um, yeah, there's no doubt. But we also got to see it on the first day when we flew up. What what was the the area that we um, we landed in? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to check. In the, I'd have in to the, check. I've I've like I said, I've tried to it's erase that trip. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I wrote it down. Um, I'll think of it in a second. But it's my screensaver with all the temples. Um, that was right. absolutely magical. I, I will. Yeah. I will. It's an incredible there. country. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. I mean, it's Nepal, Bhutan, and northern Burma are just and Burma for that matter. Myanmar are just uh, incredible countries. Yeah, and, and there's always, you know, Bhutan's probably the the most mellow, but uh, there's just conflict. There's constantly conflict going on there, and we probably shouldn't have been in there. But <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> well. Um, yeah, and it, you know, it wasn't my first trip with Meisler, and nor first brush with some, you know, probably a level of danger that I'm not comfortable with. But you know, the the northern part, the first place we stayed in, and the into to further the context, right? We were on, we were riding on the back of mopeds, doubled up, Double- <laughs> <laughs> and and we weren't driving. Yeah, on like the worst logging road you could possibly imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got pictures of us in four to five feet of yeah, mud. It's horrible, but um, and that was a that that moped ride to the first stop. You know, was a good. It was it was all of ten twelve hours on the back of yeah. the moped. Um, 
But that first place we stopped, that was where the guy grabbed the bag that he mistook for the crate. Remember the, he was the biologist. Oh yeah. Yeah. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. The, get the guy that got bit. Yeah. So by he, the crate snake, exactly. the death snake, and he couldn't fly back. What do you call people that study snakes? Uh, herpetologists. No. Wow. Je- Jeopardy. Whoa. Bingo. Headache. Um, <laughs> um. So yeah, herpetologist. So he he was in. I mean, unless I'm crazy, I mean, what we can check with Meister. But remember the first wooden structure we got to? There was an elephant chained. Out yeah, at yeah. The front. Yeah. That was where the dude. How got- can you forget? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we stay next to the chained up <laughs> elephant? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Where's the door behind the elephant? Okay. Well, I'm forgetting. I should probably look it up. But the guy, the guy's name. Anyway, that that's what the book's about. Yeah, he got bit by a crate snake and couldn't had, get evac back to the states because it was September. No, it, it was nine eleven. It was a uh, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he couldn't get medical attention. He couldn't fly anywhere. But he also explained to them exactly what was going to happen to him yeah. and how to like prolong yeah, he did a, yeah, he did a, his life. Yeah, he did a, a three-day, you know, biography on his death. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so, uh, so that's the book, The Snake Charmer. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Another feel-good move. Another, yeah, another, <laughs> another feel-good book of the week. God, am I going to go to Africa now? Um, and then, and, and yeah, I mean, that was... Very tough fishing. I, I feel like you would need months to, um, to scratch that one out. And, and Bhutan was extremely difficult, but nowhere near what we were facing there. Yeah, we, you know, I mean, Himalayan runoff. Yeah. I mean, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we asked if people with the rivers were high or low, and they were like, well, they're always high. Yeah. I mean, and then we got there, and... Yeah, it's raging death water. Yeah. So we were standing on rocks trying to throw a cast in here and there. And was by the time a, the fly landed, it was all the way down. Yeah. You know, was that river. was that a golden that you caught? It was though? a cho- it was a uh, chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. Well, at least you caught something. Yeah. Well, you know, when it was, it was I was in a good spot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we figured, oh well, you know, let's fish here, and that was one and done. And and so, a, and the catching were notorious. I mean, they were a lethal. Lethal fighters. Yeah, they fight. Um, as you said, they're just constantly facing conflict. Um, but I think that the, the real moment happened when we went down south, which has now been referred to as <laughs> the, uh, the disaster in Dawe. But yeah. and hopefully we won't have a disaster in Douala yeah. in Cameroon. <laughs> the, the disaster in Dawe was... Um, yeah, just a you know, just a death march through the jungle to get to one of these spots uh, that somebody had said there were fish pulled up up above, and there, then there I, was. Yeah, they, they were there, very smart and very calm, clear water, and they didn't want to have anything to do with us. But yeah, that march. I mean, I remember crossing a um, crossing a plane that was burnt. You know, just a a flat area that was burned and it was just, it was the charcoal on the ground. And it was, it was probably 140 degrees when we were walking on that. Yeah. And I think the ambient temp outside was buck 18 or something. It was. So yeah, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't get enough water in your body to, to sweat enough. It was, it was, but do you, it's re- ridiculous. It, it, 
anything, anything for a fish. Yeah. You know? Do you? And that's, I guess, that's my point too. It's, that has nothing to do with it. The fact that we're still talking about it because yeah. the there there was a point, and hopefully you remember this. Where I mean, first of all, right? There's not too many places. It happened to me in India in Arunachal Pradesh where. Um, you're still in the country, but they want you to go through a passport check. And so when we got, when we got to Dawe, so Southern Myanmar, um, do you, do you remember this? Where, where, yeah. Yeah. They, they were confused on why we were there. Well, and we told them where we were going and the guy is checking our passports and then, you know, as they always are not, not too cheery. And he, he said, where are you headed? And we told him, and then he, he paused, thought for a second, and then his only response was, do they know you are coming? Mm. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> who's they? Yeah. <laughs> and then there was the meeting as to whether or not, right? Yeah, we'd gonna... have a little sit down and another snake down yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with the chief of the village and uh, ask him if we could go up and try to catch a fish and put it back. And he was fascinated by that. Um, because it was so, it was the stupidest thing he'd ever heard. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, go for it. And, and then things got a little sideways. Yeah, they got, uh, they were different. They were different. And then yeah. at one point we thought we'd already crossed into Thailand. We've been hiking for so long. Yeah. So that was confusing, but. Well, I think that's, as, that's, there's only been one other time I can say in travel where, I mean, that brought me, I mean, I, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if my anxiety boiled over or, but it was right before they told us that we needed to start swimming Remember when we... Yeah, well, we had to do the cliff. Yeah. We were walking the cliff band. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, what if you fall? Yeah. It's like, well, just fall into the water. <laughs> it's like, well, it's 20 feet down, which is no big deal. And there's rocks. And they're like, well, don't hit the rocks. Yeah. If you fall, jump out and clear the rocks. But then we actually... Like, oh, man. But then we, we made a... Um, they made boats, remember? Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. We, we, <laughs> I was looking yeah, at they, the photos this morning. Yeah, they, There's an amazing photo of you with the... Uh, with the buff pulled over the head, you know, hanging out the back. And Maybe we could have you know, <laughs> backpacks for life jackets or whatever, <laughs> swimming in our boots. And, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and then it But, got... I mean, an insane adventure. And then it finally dropped down to 100 so we could take a nap at night. But oh, And then God. you... But, but again, I, I, part of the reason I bring that up is because I, I got to see a side of you that, that not too many... I mean, you, you seemed relatively unfazed. And, I, and yeah. I, I was literally, you know, I thought my mind was melting. And maybe it was. Maybe I was having like a, a really bad case of heat stroke. But. Yeah, I just switched into survival mode. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're here. We're doing this. You know, you can't click your heels together and be back, you know, at the bar. You got to keep going. And, and Jed, Jed kind of, I mean, he was kind of with you. And I, and I just started to melt. I mean, I, I was, uh, I, I went... Oh, it's you know, just heat wonder- stroke and heat exhaustion yeah. the whole nine yards. And, you know, it's not often you flip yeah. the switch on me and, and I go Captain Negativo, but, yeah. it, uh, <laughs> you know, we were that far in there. And then it's like, well, we just got to go another half an hour up this trail. And you were yeah. like, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> nope. This is as far as my boot track is going. Because you uh, got up the next morning and you yeah, was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. There was, was nothing else to do. That was. I was just terrified. Well, I didn't want to walk all the way in there, spend the night, and then walk out. I wanted to get you out know, of there as soon as possible. Yeah, if there's something, if there's if there's fish around this next bend, we got to try it, you know. And yeah. and nobody wanted to go, so 
I mean, it's one not. The guide, the guide was like, I'll take you up there. Let's do it. Or whoever. I'm not a guide. They're not guides. They're just uh, savages. Natives. <laughs> I don't know what you call them. They were, they were not. Uh, they were great people, but wow. They were, they were real. Yeah. It, it was. Um, it, it was. It was something. Yeah, there, there's there's no doubt about that. I mean, well, it was a disaster. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it's, you know, you can no but, matter where you go in the world now too. I mean, you could be out, you know, even in Ascension Bay or something like that on a hot August day, and just oh, yeah. out a breath of wind, and you're like, man, it's this is this is unbearably hot, and you're like, it ain't no doubt, way, dude. <laughs> this is nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it puts things in perspective. That that's for sure. And and I do actually, I mean. I do look back on that trip very, yeah. very fondly. Absolutely. And, yeah. and all, you know, besides having a little bit of a meltdown on that at that moment, I mean, it was, um, it was special, especially when you, you know, look at what's happening there today. So again, yeah. another example of getting to see something um, that, who knows? I mean, we, we don't know. Um, yeah, no, I know. You know. Places like in the South Pacific that they opened up to fish for like a year and now they closed them again. Don't know if we're ever going to see some of those yeah. spots just because they're, uh, we just can't go there. Yeah. And then I, I, I don't think anybody's jumping, jumping on board to head to Myanmar anytime soon to do anything over there. Yeah. It's not really too stable. Yeah, I think it's not pretty, half as stable as Cameroon. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> it's pretty well it's pretty well locked up. But well, yeah, it was good trips. Yeah. I mean we we could uh we could go on. Um I mean we could it it really is amazing and uh you know, thanks for uh being such an amazing fishing partner. Well I'm glad I'm here because remember they almost didn't let me out of the country because they never stamped me on the way in. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> that was in thailand yeah it was somewhere I, no that was in thailand yeah you disappeared yeah well i walked through customs and i just walked through nobody yeah. ever uh, asked me totally to forgot to show that. my passport so i just walked over to baggage claim and walked outside and i was like that was cake yeah and, and then, then the next morning yeah, you, next morning they're like how did you get into this country yeah Jack, like we i were, flew in on uh 384 <laughs> last night delta and they're like no you didn't and i'm like here's my boarding pass I saved my boarding pass from the day before. Well, smart. They were like, wow, you did. Smart travel move. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. But they they took you in the back, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had some questions. Yeah. No big deal. Um, But I mean, I I had nothing to hide. (laughs) Yeah. I I flew in last night. Look. Look. Here's the flight I came in on. Here's here's my bag of peanuts. Uh, I got everything for you. Well, you also got pulled in the back uh, when we were heading up north, right? Like. I believe I did. Yeah, they didn't. That's some jaded history in my past in the, from the late 80s of, uh, oh, I don't know, it's just a DUI or something like that from 89, and it came up on their screen, and they don't want you in Canada if you've uh, ever had a drinking and driving infraction. Yeah, and, uh, we, we, were, we were hanging around and wondering if, if they were going uh, to turn Saskabroon around or not. Yeah. But, uh, but that was a... That was a very well. Again, we we could go on. Um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, yeah just to, <laughs> you know, edit. Yeah, we have uh, to cut that out. Yeah, or we just we just roll. Last thing I want is people to know that I had a couple beers back when I was nineteen and, and got behind the wheel and got pulled over in my driveway. So, 
Um, well, I like I like to try to, and obviously, I think I think we're going to try to get if we do get there, um, we'll get some sound bites, and we're gonna we're gonna mix those in into the show because uh, that was some great news that we at least made one more step. Um, yeah, in the right direction on on this uh, upcoming trip. Yeah, hopefully it won't just be a twenty eight hour plane ride there and back. It could be. Yeah, it could be. But um, yeah, download download some some good books. Yeah, exactly. The snake charmer. Get the, get the snake charmer. Um, I do like to uh, end the shows with some random thought topics, and one of them is I, I would really like to hear your take on. What has happened to customer service in general? Because as far as I can tell, it uh, in a lot of areas, and we're probably, there's a chance, obviously, now we could witness this tomorrow. Um, it just doesn't seem to exist anymore. No, it doesn't seem to exist as much on the airlines. Um, it doesn't seem to exist in a lot of places anywhere, and I don't know if it's just... Uh, people not wanting to work and younger people having a little different mentality on what customer service kind of is, I guess. But, um, I mean, we've had problems just flying from here to Florida, you know, on very simple stuff. And, and the answers, you know, you used to never get the word. No, now you get the word. No, three times a day yeah. as opposed to, you know, well, let's work on that. Or I don't, I don't think so. You just get a blatant. No. Yeah. So, and it and, seems and like it's, it's a bummer when you're, Paying for a service, i.e., you go to pay to rent a car or pay to tr a flight for a flight, right. that there should be some. I, I don't know. I, I, you can't get a hold of any. I mean, I, I get part of it as obviously the time is, but it also seems maybe like everyone's just abandoned it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not yeah, sure. It's very different. It's very different than it used to be, and it doesn't seem to be heading in the right direction, you know. Yeah, and ho uh, hopefully ho it'll change and things will go back to, you know, whatever the norm used to be, which was actually pretty, uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, and know? and it's the you know it's the least of my concerns. But I had a, I've been waiting on a camera part, and and when I was looking through photos for this today, I remembered it, and then I remembered that I sent the the part in over a month ago, right? And it's the third time it's happened, and then I had to send an email saying, "What do you even have?" The part that I, I mean, it, it's, it's wild to me. I, I, I don't know. It's yeah, there's, I mean, there's, it's not for this conversation, but, you know, supply chain, all of it's just a, a nightmare nowadays for anything. I mean. Yeah, and maybe, maybe it's all tied into one. And, and maybe it's just a, a byproduct of, of what's going on now. I hope not. Mm, no. Right? I mean, I'm sorry. I hope it is. I hope. Yeah, people need so much more when it comes to, you know, <laughs> items and camera parts and things everybody needs so much more so i mean there's just a lot of demand and there's not a lot of supply it seems but i i i, I dread the customer service uh, thank god we live where we live because it's yeah. a little different here but uh you know I'll be flying back in and out of you know jackson airport and stuff like that is just when you land or you take off you're just so glad that this is home you uh, know yeah. this is it <laughs> you know, oh, you're not amazing. standing in line in jfk getting knowed no, again, uh, extremely fortunate. There's, there's, yeah. there's no doubt there. And um, this one is always, always seems to, uh, I ask everyone this, but who, who is the most interesting person you've met or people, um, and, and why is that? Um, and it doesn't have, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. 
it's uh, someone that that made an impression on you for, you know. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I could turn around and say you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so much stupid stuff together in the last twenty years, and fed off of each other that we've, um, you know, had so much fun looking at maps, looking at tackle, looking at knots, looking at flies, yeah. things like that. That it's it's more of a a team, and I don't find a lot of other people out there, you know, that that have the thirst of knowledge um, and that want to expand constantly on what they're doing. So, I mean, there's so many, you know, different things. And there's another question, like if there were three people in the world that you could have dinner with, you know, who would it be? Yeah. And it would be my great grandfather, my grandfather and my father. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. well, that's, and that, if, that's exactly if I couldn't I'm pick asking. that, it'd probably be, you know, Teddy Roosevelt and, uh, you know, yeah. Just, whomever yeah but that's and a, you that, that's <laughs> you, you well, yeah yeah <laughs> um so that's a cool answer though i mean you're 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 right i mean that's yeah. awesome you're you want to sit down with your if you could i mean yeah, so that means they're, they're yeah. in the the conversation and, and now that i'm not two yeah five or something like that <laughs> yeah um, you look at it with a whole different perspective absolutely I mean, it's, it's uh well, listen, man, this has been a, a pleasure. Yeah, and, man, thanks um, for having me over. Yeah, we'll, we'll obviously do it again. We skipped... Um, <laughs> we skipped... There's years. multiple chapters. Yeah, we've got... Um, we got the... We didn't even get to talk about the pig incident in Brazil with the, no, the clubbing. Or the, the clubbing of the... Uh, yeah, we don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we digress. Well, hopefully... Um, well, we got we have plenty of more to to figure out, but um, again, I, I I can't thank you enough for your time. Yeah, no, thanks for having and, me over, uh, man. Love it. See you tomorrow on the airplane. Yeah, you know it. Well, in order to get more information about Tim Brune, contact WorldCastAnglers.com. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Permit to Think. My hope is this podcast offers meaningful conversation and stories from the fringe of societal norms. We'll see where it goes. Be sure to subscribe and support the podcast by giving us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. Also, forward this show to anyone who you feel might dig it. I'm out.